Hey there. My name is Daniel James Drake, and you are now listening to episode two of Anthromancer's Modern Magician Podcast. The Modern Magician Podcast is a experiment, I guess you could say, where I try to go through and explore some of the more fascinating ideas to me in the realm of metaphysics, cryptocurrency, dreams, Jungian psychology, archetypes, alchemy, the kinds of things that I was raised to think were sort of unimportant, woo-woo, immaterial stuff. But as I've gotten older and started to do my own research, I have learned the power of things like tarot, of things like alchemy, and if nothing more than just something really fun and interesting to learn about in history, I do think there are a lot of practical applications. Uh, And so those are the sorts of topics that I want to cover in this podcast, and if that's the sort of thing you're interested in learning more about, it's for you. Now this is episode two. The first episode was uh, an essay. It was me reading an essay. I actually took a lot of time writing it, editing it, and then did a couple of takes of it to make for a beautiful listening experience, best of my ability anyway. This episode is going to be a little bit different. This is, uh, I've kind of been tinkering with the idea of calling this the the Akashic Antenna Hypothesis. Um, uh, I'll explain that later. Uh, But um, one of the things that I do with my time is I'll start to think, I ponder, I wonder, and I find myself getting lost in thought. My head's in the clouds 90% of the time. and um, I've gotten in the habit over the last few years of if I feel a particularly important or meaningful thought coming on, I will take my phone out, turn on a voice recorder app, and try to sort of capture the moment, lightning in a bottle. And so I've got probably 400 hours worth of me talking into my phone, and I it just comes out of me. I can't help it sometimes, you know? I, I, I used to just walk around and talk to myself until I realized that I could save these in data and um, maybe someday release them. I've always kind of flirted with the idea of releasing them to other people, but I think the thing that stopped me was that I didn't think they were good enough, or I didn't think they were high quality enough, or perhaps that, um, you know, sometimes when you just free flow, sometimes you express ideas that are unpopular, or dangerous, or even harmful, right? Like, Wrong thinking is something that we all suffer from, and and one thing you don't really want to do is have an intimate moment where you think something wrong or maybe even harmful to people in the world, and then blast that out to everybody. So that's what's always kept me from actually acting on those those voice memos and sharing them in a meaningful context. But now, I guess I'm at a point in my life where I realize that it's okay to be wrong, And it is more okay to be wrong if you are graceful enough to acknowledge when you are wrong and if you are okay with the pain that comes with that. I think that's what we're afraid of when it comes to expressing something wrong is we're afraid of the pain, the the shame, ultimately. The sense of, oh no, I revealed that ultimately I am an unforgivably bad person. I am not enough and I deserve to go die in a forest somewhere. I like to think that I am past that, you know? I think there is the possibility that one of the things that I, some of the things I say in these transmissions will end up um, coming back to bite me in the ass or something. It's it's always a possibility, but I also think you're in this sort of weird catch-22 where people want authenticity. 
right? And the thing that resonates the most is authenticity, even if that authenticity might be ugly or raw or incomplete in its awareness. And so in addition to the fact that there's a part of me that's motivated to start releasing more of these transmissions uh, that thinks people might actually vibe with them and, and be interested in them and uh, want to start to support me and my projects as a result of them, there's the other part of me that realizes that shame doesn't really serve anyone. And if I am wrong, if I do have bad thoughts that people disagree with or you know, it is the expression of those thoughts that ultimately leads to their correction. You can't, you can't grow without a little dirt, without a little soil, without a little suffering. And in my experience, the people who are most okay with failing and most okay with showing their whole ass and looking like a fool are the ones who ultimately gain the most wisdom. And you can use that wisdom, right? You can use that wisdom to serve people. You can use that wisdom to grow and serve yourself. And ultimately, making a fool of yourself helps other people understand their place in the world too. So that is not what the uh, substance of this podcast, this one in particular, this episode is not about what I did. That was all just intro. So <laughs> thank you for listening so far. Um, I will mention at the end of this, I actually mentioned it in the flow that I'm going to be sharing here in a moment, uh, but I will mention again that if you're interested in supporting the project, patreon.com slash anthromancy, and if you're not familiar with Anthromancer, the physical product that we're manufacturing, it's a board game slash spiritual experience, it is still available for pre-order. We are uh, finishing up our manufacturing, like we're getting our assets together and getting ready to send it off for manufacturing. So if you're curious about the physical Anthromancer product and would like to order it or see what it is, check out Anthromancer.com. You can find all those links there. And uh, Otherwise, without further ado, here is a rant that I decided to call Politics is Dead. I've been thinking a lot about cryptocurrency, NFTs, the environmental impact, and the attitudes around it. And one of my main hang-ups, and something that I really need to dig deeper into and, and build a meaningful analysis around, is my theory that all of the environmental impacts, all of the costs, so to speak, of this technology are worthwhile because the technology fundamentally changes the relationship of incentive. And as a result, we should be pouring as much energy as we can into these technologies. And here, I think, is where a lot of conflict in the debate comes from. Because my perspective on this matter, that we should be pouring energy into blockchain, into cryptocurrencies, and that the energy cost of Ethereum and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is necessary. Not only, ex not, not only acceptable, but necessary and important. My analysis is informed by the fact that I have given up on politics. And that's a really important part of my analysis. Because if you haven't given up on politics, right? If you still think that we can solve climate change through 
democracy, that we can solve climate change through centralized government, then you're not going to see the appeal of cryptocurrency. You're not going to see the appeal of decentralized systems. If you still think that we can send somebody to Washington that can stand up to corporate greed, we're on completely different wavelengths. That's not to say that I'm right or you're right or whatever. I mean, I think I'm right and I'm going to explain why I think I'm right. But you know what? I'm a big fucking clown and I don't know that. However, if you would like to understand why I think the way I think and what that is, I've given up on politics because I'm, I'm 31 at this point, right? I am into adulthood. I, I am no longer a child except in the sense that we are all children of God. <laughs> And my whole life, I have seen the political struggle play out. And I have never once seen a positive trend because of politics. I have seen rights erode, protections erode. I have seen cultural shifts that... I've seen truth erode, and I've seen institutions, every single institution, all the institutions, I have seen, you, you get raised to believe in them, you get taught that they work a certain way, and then every year after year after year, you start to learn that actually, no, all of them, none of them work the way they're supposed to, and all of them work, they orbit around profit. The institution of healthcare, profit. The institution of education, profit. The institution of politics, profit. It all comes back to profit. Every single thing, profit. The environment is being destroyed because of profit. People are being oppressed and murdered by police because of profit. You pull the thread on any social problem, on any issue, and you find that it comes back to that inherent human greed. And that the system we have, as it is built, incentivizes psychopathy. The most antisocial people, the people most willing to hurt others in the pursuit of profit, are like the apex predators of this system. They fit into it perfectly. They're like the perfect puzzle piece that plugs in and lets them structure the whole world around their psychopathic will. People who are pro-social, people who are altruistic, people who are giving are great patsies for these psychopaths, but they never really become that powerful on their own. They never gain the prestige and the influence and the raw economic, financial, social, cultural power that the psychopaths get. So if you believe that politics works, I think you're blind. I think you're, you're naive is what I think. I think you're a very naive person. You're very hopeful, you know, good for you. Maybe, maybe that makes you feel good. It doesn't seem like it does. Most of the people I know who believe in politics are angry as shit all the time. Because they're so frustrated, because they can't get it to work, and they're convinced it can. 
And so year after year after year, we see the world just getting worse. We see climate apartheid looming on the horizon, coming straight for us. We see economic calamities multiple times in lifetimes, right? Like I'm, I'm 30 and I'm, and I'm living through my second major economic recession. It took away my, my uh, life after high school and now it's taking away my life as I move into my 30s. Destroyed our business. We were all supposed to get raises and now we can't. We were all supposed to do better and grow and, and live into, like, be able to take a part of the so-called American dream we were raised to believe in, and we can't. We're back to scrabbling, like 10 years of our lives lost, 10 years of progress and building, even though, like, I took a path different from most of my peers and didn't go to college and didn't have debt, and so I was blessed I was the exception to the rule with the opportunity, I was blessed with the opportunity to build something because I didn't end up going to this get-rich-quick scheme of college. I didn't get saddled with this astronomical debt and I built something for myself. And then the pandemic comes along and the economic recession destroys what I built. And I hang in there, right? There's a little bit to be said for the government aid we've gotten, but it's not enough. And it's only a matter of time before it collapses again because it's designed to, because it's horribly lopsided, and because the system incentivizes the most self-interested, selfish, and antisocial people to rise to the top and take everything from everyone. So there's never enough for anybody else. We're all living for the benefit of a couple of archons. And you can say you believe in politics, and I did believe in politics, and in 2016 I believed in politics because Bernie Sanders came around and stood up, and he for, put aside his personality, put aside his rhetoric, the thing that was important to me about Bernie Sanders was that he crowdfunded his campaign and made significant progress, seemed like he had a shot. He crowdfunded his campaign, and that to me was important it was so significant because of the profit, right? The profit angle. Everything in our society runs on profit. All politics is driven by how much money you can raise so that you can pay for the ads so that everybody that has any control of a media platform or apparatus can profit off of you. There is no deeper social undercurrent of altruism or, or idealism or creating a more just and equitable world for all. It's all Profit. So if you don't have money, you can't gain power. And Bernie Sanders figured out, hey, technology makes it so that maybe we can, maybe we can game this system. Maybe we can crowdfund a campaign so that we're still using money, the only language that this system understands, but we're using it in such a way, we're using it in such a way that regular people can actually be represented. And the Democratic Party private institution as it is, obstructed it. They suppressed him. The media institutions downplayed him, wrote him off, called him crazy, insulted his followers. The game was rigged. There is legal evidence, documented public record, that the 2016 Democratic Party was sued for tilting the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton, an anti-democratic move by any rational measure, 
And the courts ruled that it was completely legal for them to do that because the Democratic Party is a private corporation. They can do what the hell they want. But people don't talk about Democratic primaries as if they are undemocratic private institution shows. They talk about them as if democracy is real. But it's, it's not. This private institution has every right and, more importantly, every incentive. It has every incentive not to allow a person who would actually attempt a radical redistribution of power to gain the power to implement that. The system has no, there's no reward baked in. There's no incentive anywhere within it to let somebody with that kind of ideal, with that kind of attitude, with a pro-social attitude, anywhere near the levers of power. If you want to be near the levers of power, you have to compromise on everything. Should healthcare be a human right? Yes. What happens if you compromise on that? Well, it stops being a human right and it becomes irrelevant what you think. Should education be free? Yes. It would be good for society. It would be good for people if education was free. But if you compromise on that, suddenly it's not free. You cannot compromise on your ideals when it comes to how the world should be because if you do, you don't create the world that should be. You don't create what, you're, what needs to happen for the world to be equitable and just. If you compromise on your ideals to appease the machinery of profit, you're not, you are, you have basically thrown away what you actually need to focus on in order to create the world that needs to exist. If you compromise out of pragmatism, out of, out of, well, I mean, that's really what it is, I think. You know, it's not like I look at Elizabeth Warren and see an evil person. I see somebody who compromises. Somebody who compromises on ideals. And I'm not going to, like, <laughs> learn my lesson. I'm not going to get dragged into an argument about whether or not it's smart to compromise because I think that lots of people understand to play politics, you have to compromise. But I also understand that if you compromise, you are no longer seeking to build the world that you think you're building. You're seeking to now build a compromised world, whether you know it or not. And the whole reason underpinning that, underpinning this frustrating impossible Sisyphean push a boulder up a hill in an attempt to make progress and positive change in the world, what underpins it all is the incentive structure. Profit. If it don't make profit, it can't be done. And so this is why I have turned my focus as, a, as somebody who cares deeply about the world about climate change, about politics, about injustice and equity and wealth in redistribution and all these sorts of things. As somebody who cares about these things, I turn my attention to cryptocurrency because I do not believe that politics can get it done. It is not the vector for change that we have been taught to believe it is. And over and over and over again, we are shown this. And at best, it seems like the people in charge don't really have enough power 
to do the right thing. The whole system is set up where they don't even need to, like, the bad actors and the psychopaths don't even need to control everyone. They only need to be able to corrupt a couple of people within the system, and the whole thing gets gummed up with corruption. The wheels of progress are rusted shut, and nothing can really meaningfully be done. Because of the incentive. Everybody is incentivized towards wealth. Their own profit. Their own profit, their own wealth. And at a certain point, you realize that that's, that just is what it is. Right? Like, that, that is... We are in this situation because that's just how humans are. And you can moralize about it. You can decide that this, is, this makes people good and this makes people bad and this is how you judge if a person is good or bad, yada, yada, yada. But take the personality out of it. Take the, the projection and the, the personification. Take the personification out of people and understand that human beings can be understood as a force of nature. And that force of nature behaves in ways that you can observe and predict. And if you look at the system for long enough and do your best to observe it with a rational mind, you'll notice that there's, there's no law you can pass. There's no person you can send to Congress. There's no regime that can come into power that's going to be able to fundamentally address the relationship of incentive that human beings have when they engage with society. You can't change the incentive from the top down. People behave a certain way. They, they take the actions they take for reasons. Jeff Bezos becomes the CEO of Amazon because he, he acts like a person. He was born into a certain situation, got an idea, started a business, had access to the capital he needed to build that business, and continues to be a human being. And the incentive structures baked into society and the very social contract, the very fabric of what those relationships all are because of money and profit incentivizes him to behave the way he behaves and then rewards him for doing it. Giving him more and more and more and more power. Giving him more and more and more individual influence over the environment. And it's very, very easy to just look at the man and say, you're evil for not fixing the world. But Jeff Bezos attempting to fix the world? Yes, you can look at his, his, his net worth. Yes, you can look at how much money he has or how much stock he could sell. Yes, all of those things are true. The, the, the fact of the matter is that if he just decided to spend all that money on fixing the world, if the incentives themselves don't change, then it is a matter of time before somebody just as psychopathic as him shows up and fills that niche. And for that matter, the only reason he has that power is because his psychopathy is incentivized. If, if he was a more pro-social person, he would not be Jeff Bezos. Or, you know, in the position he's in. And this is why cryptocurrency feels powerful to me. Because cryptocurrency is a technology wherein mining pools break themselves apart so as not to accidentally threaten a 51% attack. It's a technology where when I decide to invest in a coin or invest in a network, 
I increase the value of everybody else that's participating in that network. And I only participate for my own benefit. I only participate, you know, well, and, and that's not entirely true. It's more than that. You can believe in something and participate in a network and have that belief rewarded. The technology fundamentally incentivizes a different kind of behavior. People who have been taught by the system we have that it is hopeless, that this is the only way things can ever work, and that money just is the way it is, are not aware of this. They aren't paying attention and looking on a very deep level at the differences in incentive between how the money and profit we're used to using works and how cryptocurrency works because it is not the same. There's a pernicious narrative that, oh, it's just the same, right? Oh, it's just, it's just the rich getting richer. People that have access to more money can buy more hashing power and they can centralize the profits and the rich get richer. And it's like, you're going to have incentive. You're going to have human beings acting in their, what they perceive to be their own self-interest or the interest of their communities. You're going to have that no matter what. But this technology makes it so that that naturally occurring human drive for self-interest is finally, for the first time in human history, not at odds with the interests of the global society. A global economy that's based on mutual participation, signing up to join a network and increasing the wealth of everybody involved in the hopes that you will increase your own wealth. Intentionally and voluntarily breaking apart mining pools that control more than 51% of the hashing power because everybody participating understands that the value of their token and the value of their hashing power is predicated on other people's ability to trust its integrity. And so monopolies break themselves apart in cryptocurrency. Do you not... Uh, I'm trying not to swear on this because I'd like to post this as a podcast or something, but I almost did right there because do you not understand how significant that... Th like, mining pools, monopolies, break themselves apart when they get too big in cryptocurrency, in the Bitcoin blockchain. Because if they don't, they destroy the value of the token that incentivized their participation in the first place. There is no amount of electricity that I believe is not worth burning to build a society based on that. Because in that situation, you don't have to force anyone to do anything. You don't have to change human consciousness. You don't have to bring about a spiritual revolution or go around and... and, and a campaign for a political figure to force people to adopt a certain way of being. You literally can use this technology to harmonize with naturally occurring human self-interest to create a pro-social society for the benefit of all. Every single thing that you build on top of a network based on this kind of incentive has a different flavor. It's like a seed. The economic system that we have inherited, the monetary system, the legacy monetary system, is its own kind of seed. And it is a seed that bears psychopathic billionaires as its fruit. 
Cryptocurrency is not the same seed. We're talking about a form of money that would continue to hold its value, its perceived value, its desirability, if every government on earth collapsed. A medium of exchange that is made valuable by the participation of a decentralized network of, of miners, of, of computer nodes, and a network that self-regulates its own monopolies out of existence without needing any law, without needing any, any tyrannical regime to come in and force people to break those apart. The incentive structure of the network itself ensures that people won't centralize because they have no incentive to do so. That's not the case with legacy financial systems. The incentive in legacy financial systems is to get as much of the money as you can, hoard it, and use it to protect yourself and your monopoly. But you literally couldn't do that with Bitcoin if you wanted to. Because if you did, people would no longer want your token. It would no longer be a token. It would be your token. And if people don't believe in you and your power, the amount of energy you would have to expend to force people to use it would be astronomical. Because you'd have to use violence rather than the naturally occurring incentives in human minds. So here we have these decentralized networks that are incentivizing a completely different way of participating in economic activity. The politics that you can grow out of this seed are different. In addition to the fact that we're talking about a fundamentally different economic exchange, the technology of blockchain could theoretically, you know, people have talked about this, it could theoretically be used to remove all middlemen from all interactions, and that includes the government. There's no technological reason, there's no physics reason, right? There's, there's nothing based on what we are capable of doing with our smartphones and with decentralized networks right now today that would prevent a possible future where we have a true direct democracy. A digital autonomous organization for an entire nation, for the entire globe, it's possible. It's, it's within the realm of possibilities. It is no longer something that is science fiction. It is not here yet, but we have the technology we would need to envision and to start building towards something like that if we, were, if we had the will, if we had, the, if we had the, the wider understanding of this possibility and had creative people working on it, we would eventually achieve this. I believe that. A world where you truly actually have a democracy because rather than sending a single person to Congress on your behalf, a single human person with human incentives, incentives that can be hijacked and corrupted by the incentives of other more powerful institutions, corporations, greed. Instead of that, having a democracy based on what the people actually want. That is possible with this technology. The existing systems wouldn't like it. They will probably fight tooth and nail for it, but the existing systems are extraordinarily inefficient. They will succumb to entropy eventually. Whether we have a, a powerful system to replace it or not, these systems collapse. They always do. They have since the dawn of human civilization. It's been something that's been observed by wisdom thinkers for eons. You read the I Ching, you see that there's 
the, the whole book is, is about these natural patterns, and one of the major patterns they talk about is the rise and fall of civilizations. It's the cycles, the long cycle theory. So whether we do this or not, whether we take advantage of the power of this technology to perhaps ease a transition into a better world, or turn our backs on it, and allow ourselves to fall into sort of the doomed destiny of all civilizations, it's really entirely on us. It's on us and our ability to educate, our ability to teach, our ability to grapple with realities and possibilities that the existing system doesn't even want us to think are possible. We are supposed to put all of our hope in politics because that's how the system keeps going. If people start imagining possibilities outside of that system, the system itself becomes less and less certain. And the people who benefit the most from the system staying the way it is really don't want that to happen because they've been handsomely rewarded for their psychopathic behavior. They've been handsomely rewarded for their ability to abstract human suffering into numbers on a spreadsheet because the, incentives, the incentive structure rewards them for it. So my theory, and why I'm so passionate about educating about blockchain, and why I'm so passionate about talking about it such that I can't stop talking about it, my theory is that we are seeing the beginning of a transition to something profoundly better, a structure of society based on something completely different, a different seed. And through that seed, we're going to be able to see people gaining wealth that never would have been able to gain wealth in the old system. We're going to see people imagining possibilities for themselves, for their creative endeavors, for their businesses that never would have been possible until this technology hit the world stage. And maybe someday we will even see governments themselves given to the people for the first time in human history. A true sovereignty for citizens. The breakdown of all the intermediaries between people and truth. Between people and what things should be like. Because, God, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating to be told your whole life that the answer to all of our social ills is get out and vote. And then you do, and nothing gets better. So I have abandoned all hope in that legacy system as a means for creating the change that we actually want to see. If we actually want to see a better world, we have to start at the cornerstone of what that world should be built around. The incentive structures. For the first time in my life, a theoretical possibility here, a technology that makes a very compelling case for its own ability to incentivize different human behavior has come onto the world stage as a gift from some anonymous hacker who disappeared and left it for everybody to, to use. So what are we going to do? Are we going to use it? Are we going to learn about it? Are we going to figure out the possibilities? Or are we just going to let the existing system badger us and beat us and scar us into thinking there's no hope. Fuck that. Yeah, I think that's it for my rant. <laughs> Woo! Having fun with these. Um, 
if you enjoyed that, if you want to hear more thoughts, um, there will be more pieces of content like this. I'm working on various levels of production value, vlogs and educational content and um, essays and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and you can support me and my project at patreon.com slash anthromancy that's a-n-t-h-r-o-m-a-n-c-y and you can go to anthromancer.com to pre-order the anthromancer board game slash spiritual experience that should be coming out later this year i am compiling the final assets right now to send it to the manufacturers and cannot tell you how excited i am I've been working on this project for over six years now it's a beautiful beautiful piece of art and uh, worked on it with over 20, 25 other amazing artists, it's going to be something you're going to want. So, uh, thank you for listening. Please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Drake. And let me know what you think. Give me feedback. Give me ideas and other things you'd like to hear me. Or just let me know that you think I'm, I'm, I'm valid. You know? I <laughs> uh, love you very much. And remember, be moved.